a short message for grown-ups. At Sleep Tight Relax, our mission is to bring calming entertainment to children and their families at sleep time. For more stories, sleep sounds, guided meditations, music for sleep, and more, all ad-free, visit sleeptightpremium.com to begin your free trial. A link can be found in our show notes. Thank you. Hello, friends, and welcome to Sleep Tight Relax. Sounds, music, and stories for calming, busy minds. I am Cheryl, and I read and edit all the stories. Production and sound design is by my husband, Clark. Our sleep story tonight is the first part of Beauty and the Beast. It is a story about a wealthy family who loses all of their money. They have to leave the city and move far away to a small cottage. The father then hears that one of his ships has come in with cargo on it that he can have. He leaves to get the money and his children give him a list of things they want him to bring back. Only the youngest daughter, Belle, does not ask for anything except a rose. When the money is not there when he arrives, he leaves to head home with nothing. He gets lost on the way home and finds a castle. Let's listen to see what happens. Before we continue with our story, let's first make sure you are cozy and comfortable. Turn off the lights, silence notifications, find your comfortable place, your place to relax, or your favorite position in bed. Position your pillows, a teddy, or your other little comforts to make sure that everything feels as it should. Now that you are comfortable, let's take a few minutes to relax your body and mind. First, close your eyes and take a deep belly breath. Take one more and try to make it a little deeper this time. Since you are lying down, let's stretch your legs as far as you can and hold it ever so slightly. Try now to do the same with your arms. With your hands above your head, 
stretch as far as you can and just hold it there for a little while. Now take a few more belly breaths, taking your time, breathing in and out deeply and as slowly as you can. I find these simple little stretches and deep belly breaths help me remove tension as I get ready for sleep and also provide great start to my day. Now we are ready for tonight's sleep story. I hope you have a deep and restful sleep. Beauty and the Beast, Part 1 Once upon a time, in a very far-off country, there lived a merchant who had been so fortunate in all his undertakings that he was enormously rich. As he had, however, six sons and six daughters, he found that his money was not too much to let them all have everything they fancied, as they were accustomed to do. But one day, a most unexpected misfortune befell them. Their house caught fire and was quickly burned to the ground, with all the splendid furniture, the books, pictures, gold, silver, and precious goods it contained. And this was only the beginning of their troubles. Their father, who had until this moment prospered in all ways, suddenly lost every ship he had upon the sea, either to pirates, shipwrecks, or fire. Then he heard that his clerks in distant countries, whom he had trusted entirely, had proved unfaithful. And at last, from great wealth, he fell into poverty. All that he had left was a little house in a desolate place at least a hundred miles from the town in which he lived. And to this, he was forced to retreat with his children, who were in despair at the idea of leading such a different life. Indeed, the daughters at first hoped that their friends, who had been so numerous while they were rich, would insist on their staying in their houses now that they no longer possessed one. But they soon found that they were left alone and that their former friends even attributed their misfortunes to their own extravagance and showed no intention of offering them any help. 
So nothing was left for them but to take their leave to the cottage, which stood in the midst of a dark forest and seemed to be the most dismal place upon the face of the earth. As they were too poor to have any servants, the girls had to work hard, and the sons cultivate the fields to earn their living. Roughly clothed and living in the simplest ways, the girls regretted the luxuries and amusements of their former life. Only the youngest tried to be brave and cheerful. She had been as sad as anyone when misfortune overtook her father, but soon recovering her natural joyfulness, she set to work to make the best of things, to amuse her father and brothers as well as she could, and to try to persuade her sisters to join her in dancing and singing. But they would do nothing of the sort, and because she was not as sad as themselves, they declared that this miserable life was all she was fit for. But she was really far prettier and cleverer than they were. Indeed, she was so lovely that she was called Beauty. After two years, when they were all beginning to get used to their new life, something happened to disturb their tranquility. Their father received the news that one of his ships, which had been believed to be lost, had come safely into port with a rich cargo. All the sons and daughters at once thought that their poverty was at an end and wanted to set out directly for the town. But their father, who was more prudent, begged them to wait a little, and though it was harvest time and he could not really be spared, determined to go himself first to make inquiries. Only the youngest daughter had any doubt that they would soon again be as rich as they were before, or at least rich enough to live comfortably in some town where they could find amusement and companions once more. So they all loaded their father with dreams for jewels and dresses which it would have taken a fortune to buy. Only Beauty, feeling sure that it was of no use, did not ask for anything. Her father, noticing her silence, said, And what shall I bring for you, Beauty? The only thing I wish for is to see you come home safely, she answered. But this only vexed her sisters, who fancied she was blaming them for having asked for such costly things. Her father, however, was pleased. But as he thought at her age she certainly ought to like pretty presents, he told her to choose something. Well, dear father, she said, 
as you insist upon it, I beg that you will bring me a rose. I have not seen one since we came here, and I love them so much. So the merchant set out and reached the town as quickly as possible, but only to find that his former companions, believing him to be dead, had divided between them the goods which the ship had brought. And after six months of trouble and expense, he found himself as poor as when he started, having been able only to recover just enough to pay the cost of his journey. To make matters worse, he was forced to leave the town in the most terrible weather, so that by the time he was within a few miles of his home, he was almost exhausted with cold and fatigue. Though he knew it would take some hours to get through the forest, he was so anxious to be at his journey's end that he resolved to go on. But night overtook him, and the deep snow and bitter frost made it impossible for his horse to carry him any further. Not a house was to be seen. The only shelter he could get was the hollow trunk of a great tree. And there he crouched all the night, which seemed to him the longest he had ever known. In spite of his weariness, the howling of the wolves kept him awake. And even when the last of day broke, he was not much better off, for the falling snow had covered up every path, and he did not know which way to turn. At last he made out some sort of track, and though at the beginning it was so rough and slippery that he fell down more than once, it presently became easier, and led him into an avenue of trees which ended in a splendid castle. It seemed to the merchant very strange that no snow had fallen in the avenue, which was entirely composed of orange trees, covered with flowers and fruit. When he reached the first court of the castle, he saw before him a flight of stone steps and went up them and passed through several splendidly furnished rooms. The pleasant warmth of the air revived him, and he felt very hungry. But there seemed to be nobody in all this vast and splendid palace whom he could ask to give him something to eat. Deep silence reigned everywhere. And at last, tired of roaming through empty rooms and galleries, he stopped in a room smaller than the rest, where a clear fire was burning and a couch was drawn up closely to it. 
Thinking that this must be prepared for someone who was expected, he sat down to wait till he should come, and very soon fell into a sweet sleep. When his hunger woke him after several hours, he was still alone. But a little table, upon which was a good dinner, had been drawn up close to him. And as he had eaten nothing for 24 hours, he lost no time in beginning his meal, hoping that he might soon have an opportunity of thanking his considerate host, whoever it might be. But no one appeared, and even after another long sleep, from which he awoke completely refreshed, there was no sign of anybody, though a fresh meal of dainty cakes and fruit was prepared upon the little table at his elbow. Being naturally timid, the silence began to frighten him and he resolved to search once more through all the rooms. But it was of no use. Not even a servant was to be seen. There was no sign of life in the palace. He began to wonder what he should do, and to amuse himself by pretending that all the treasures he saw were his own, and considering how he would divide them among his children. Then he went down into the garden, and though it was winter everywhere else, here the sun shone, and the birds sang, and the flowers bloomed, and the air was soft and sweet. The merchant, happy with all he saw and heard, said to himself, All this must be meant for me. I will go this minute and bring my children to share all these delights. In spite of being so cold and weary when he reached the castle, he had taken his horse to the stable and fed it. Now he thought he would saddle it for his homeward journey, and he turned down the path which led to the stable. This path had a hedge of roses on each side of it, and the merchant thought he had never seen or smelt such exquisite flowers. They reminded him of his promise to beauty, and he stopped and had just gathered one to take to her when he was startled by a strange noise behind him. Turning round, he saw the beast which seemed to be very angry and said in a terrible voice, Who told you that you might gather my roses? Was it not enough that I allowed you to be in my palace and was kind to you? This is the way you show your gratitude? By stealing my flowers? But your insolence shall not go unpunished. The merchant, scared by these furious words, dropped the rose and, throwing himself on his knees, cried, Pardon me, noble sir. I am truly grateful to you for your hospitality, which was so magnificent 
that I could not imagine that you would be offended by my taking such a little thing as a rose. But the beast's anger was not lessened by this speech. You are very ready with excuses and flattery, he cried, but that will not save you from the punishment you deserve. Alas, thought the merchant, if my daughter could only know what trouble her rose has brought me into. And in despair, he began to tell the beast all his troubles and the reason for his journey, not forgetting to mention Beauty's request. A king's ransom would hardly have gotten all that my other daughters asked for, he said, but I thought that I might at least take Beauty her rose. I beg you to forgive me, for you see I meant no harm. The beast considered for a moment, and then he said in a less angry tone, I will forgive you on one condition, that is, that you will give me one of your daughters. Ah, <gasps> cried the merchant, if I were cruel enough to buy my own life at the expense of one of my children's, what excuse could I invent to bring her here? No excuse would be necessary, answered the beast. If she comes at all, she must come willingly. On no other condition will I have her. See if any one of them is courageous enough and loves you well enough to come and save your life. You seem to be an honest man, so I will trust you to go home. I give you a month to see if either of your daughters will come back with you and stay here, to let you go free. If none of them is willing, you must come alone, after bidding them goodbye forever, for then you will belong to me. And do not imagine that you can hide from me, for if you fail to keep your word, I will come and fetch you added the beast. The merchant accepted this proposal, though he did not really think any of his daughters could be persuaded to come. He promised to return at the time appointed, and then, anxious to escape from the presence of the beast, he asked permission to set off at once. But the beast answered that he could not go until the next day. Then you will find a horse ready for you, he said. Now go and eat your supper and wait for my orders. The poor merchant went back to his room where the most delicious supper was already served on the little table which was drawn up before a blazing fire. But he was too scared to eat and only tasted a few of the dishes, for fear the beast should be angry if he did not obey his orders. When he had finished, he heard a great noise in the next room, which he knew meant that the beast was coming. As he could do nothing to escape his visit, the only thing that remained was to seem as little afraid as possible. So when the beast appeared and asked roughly if he had eaten well, the merchant answered humbly that he had, thanks to his host's kindness.
Then the beast warned him to remember their agreement and to prepare his daughter exactly for what she had to expect. Do not get up tomorrow, he added, until you see the sun and hear a golden bell ring. Then you will find your breakfast waiting for you here, and the horse you are to ride will be ready in the courtyard. He will bring you back again when you come with your daughter a month from now. Farewell. Take a rose to beauty and remember your promise. The merchant was only too glad when the beast went away, and though he could not sleep for sadness, he lay down until the sun rose. Then, after a quick breakfast, he went to gather Beauty's rose and mounted his horse, which carried him off so swiftly that in an instant he had lost sight of the palace. And he was still wrapped in gloomy thoughts when it stopped before the door of the cottage. His sons and daughters, who had been very uneasy at his long absence, rushed to meet him, eager to know the results of his journey, which, seeing him mounted upon a splendid horse and wrapped in a rich coat, they supposed to be favorable. He hid the truth from them at first, only saying sadly to Beauty as he gave her the rose, Here is what you asked me to bring you. You little know what it has cost. But this excited their curiosity so greatly that presently he told them his adventures from beginning to end, and then they were all very unhappy. The girls cried loudly over their lost hopes and the sons declared that their father should not return to this terrible castle and began to make plans for dealing with the beast if it should come to fetch him. But he reminded them that he had promised to go back. Then the girls were very angry with Beauty and said it was all her fault and that if she had asked for something sensible, this would never have happened and complained bitterly that they should have to suffer for her request. Poor Beauty, much distressed, said to them, I have indeed caused this misfortune, but I assure you I did it innocently. Who could have guessed that to ask for a rose in the middle of summer would cause so much misery? But as I did the mischief, it is only just that I should suffer for it. I will therefore go back with my father to keep his promise. At first, nobody would hear of this arrangement, and her father and brothers, who loved her dearly, declared that nothing should make them let her go. But beauty was firm. As the time drew near, she divided all her little possessions between her sisters and said goodbye to everything she loved. And when the fatal day came, she encouraged and cheered her father as they mounted together the horse which had brought him back. It seemed to fly rather than gallop, 
but so smoothly that Beauty was not frightened. Indeed, she would have enjoyed the journey if she had not feared what might happen to her at the end of it. Her father still tried to persuade her to go back, but in vain. While they were talking, the night fell, and then, to their great surprise, wonderful colored lights began to shine in all directions, and splendid fireworks blazed out before them. All the forest was illuminated by them, and even felt pleasantly warm, though it had been bitterly cold before. This lasted until they reached the avenue of orange trees, where were statues holding flaming torches. And when they got nearer to the palace, they saw that it was illuminated from the roof to the ground, and music sounded softly from the courtyard. The beast must be very happy, said Beauty, trying to laugh, if he makes all this rejoicing over the arrival of his company. But in spite of her anxiety, she could not help admiring all the wonderful things she saw. The horse stopped at the foot of the flight of steps leading to the terrace, and when they had dismounted, her father led her to the little room he had been in before where they found a splendid fire burning and the table daintily spread with a delicious supper. The merchant knew that this was meant for them and Beauty, who was rather less frightened now that she had passed through so many rooms and seen nothing of the beast, was quite willing to begin for her long ride had made her very hungry but they had hardly finished their meal when the noise of the beast's footsteps was heard approaching, and Beauty clung to her father, unsure what to expect. But when the beast appeared, though she trembled at the sight of him, she made a great effort to hide her fear and saluted him respectfully. This pleased the beast. After looking at her, he said, in a tone that might have frightened some, though he did not seem to be angry, Good evening, old man. Good evening, beauty. The merchant was too terrified to reply, but beauty answered sweetly, Good evening, beast. Have you come willingly? asked the beast. Will you be happy to stay here when your father has gone away? Beauty answered bravely that she was quite prepared to stay. I am pleased with you, said the beast, and as you have come of your own accord, you may stay. As for you, old man, he added, turning to the merchant, at sunrise tomorrow you will take your leave. When the bell rings, get up quickly and eat your breakfast, and you will find the same horse waiting to take you home. But remember that you must never expect to see my palace again. Then turning to Beauty, he said, Take your father into the next room and help him choose everything you think your brothers and sisters would like to have. You will find two traveling trunks there. Fill them as full as you can. It is only just that you should send them something 
very precious as a remembrance of yourself. Then he went away after saying, Goodbye, Beauty. Goodbye, old man. And though Beauty was beginning to think with great dismay of her father's departure, she was afraid to disobey the beast's order. And they went into the next room, which had shelves and cupboards all around it. They were greatly surprised at the riches it contained. There were splendid dresses fit for a queen with all the ornaments that were to be worn with them. And when Beauty opened the cupboards, she was quite dazzled by the gorgeous jewels that lay in heaps upon every shelf. After choosing a vast quantity, which she divided between her sisters, she opened the last chest, which was full of gold. I think, father, she said, that as the gold will be more useful to you, we had better take out the other things again and fill the trunks with it. So they did this, but the more they put in, the more room there seemed to be. And at last they put back all the jewels and dresses they had taken out, and Beauty even added as many more of the jewels as she could carry at once. And then the trunks were not too full, but they were so heavy that an elephant could not have carried them. The beast was tricking us, cried the merchant. He must have pretended to give us these things, knowing that I could not carry them away. Let us wait and see, answered Beauty. I cannot believe that he meant to trick us. All we can do is to fasten them up and leave them ready. So they did this and returned to the little room where, to their astonishment, they found breakfast ready. The merchant ate with his good appetite as the beast's generosity made him believe that he might perhaps venture to come back soon and see beauty. But she felt sure that her father was leaving her forever. So she was very sad when the bell rang sharply for the second time and warned them that the time had come for them to part. They went down into the courtyard where two horses were waiting, one loaded with the two trunks, the other for him to ride. They were pawing the ground in their impatience to start, and the merchant was forced to bid Beauty a hasty farewell. And as soon as he was mounted, he went off at such a pace that she lost sight of him in an instant. Then Beauty began to cry and wandered sadly back to her own room. But she soon found that she was very sleepy, and as she had nothing better to do, she lay down and instantly fell asleep. And then she dreamed that she was walking by a brook bordered with trees and thinking about her sad fate. When a young prince, handsomer than anyone she had ever seen, and with a voice that went straight to her heart, came and said to her, Ah, beauty, you are not so unfortunate as you suppose. 
Here you will be rewarded for all you have suffered elsewhere. Your every wish shall be granted. Only try to find me out, no matter how I may be disguised, as I love you dearly, and in making me happy, you will find your own happiness. Be as true-hearted as you are beautiful, and we shall have nothing left to wish for. What can I do, Prince, to make you happy, said Beauty. Only be grateful, he answered, and do not trust too much your eyes. And above all, do not desert me until you have saved me from my cruel misery. After this, she thought she found herself in a room with a beautiful lady, who said to her, Dear Beauty, Try not to regret all you have left behind you, for you are destined to a better fate. Only do not let yourself be deceived by appearances. And that is the end of the first part. Sleep tight.